how do you set goals and frequency you check in on them you're tracking them for you specifically and like within triple whale and then how do you communicate that with the rest of your team sometimes they're very specific to the project i would say overall you know triple whale is growing really rapidly we went from two digit number of customers to over like i think we're at like almost 4500 shopify stores right now in a number of months it's just an absolute explosion Hello and welcome to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Each and every week, I get the pleasure of chatting with and learning from a wide variety of passionate, intelligent founders, operators, and practitioners in the wonderful world of e-commerce. Today's episode is with the head of beans, AKA head of brand of Triple Whale. Triple Whale is a central source of truth for your e-commerce store, so you can view all your meaningful data from a customizable dashboard or mobile app. Without further ado, Head of Brand, Alexa Kilroy, welcome to the show. And please, please, please explain the origin story of Head of Beans for those listening who aren't on Twitter 24-7. Yes, hi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I wish I had a, a better story, but the reality is that I have weird thumbs. And every time I type Head of Brand, it autocorrects to Head of Beans. I do not know why, I don't know who is out to get me, but I've become the head of beans and it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And you've been at Triple Oil for a couple months now, right? Yes, I have. Awesome. My, I, sorry, I apologize for anyone who's watching. My boss is in the other room telling me that the mic was turned around the wrong way. Okay. That, <laughs> He's waving through the window. Okay, thank you. Uh, was that Raba? Yes, uh, that was Raba, the great, on, the great yeah, Raba. Yeah, I on episode two. Uh, He's looking at me funny through the glass window in the office, like, what are you doing? And I, <laughs> there you go. I'm not used to the podcast. Well, that's yet. all good. You sound a lot better and more clear now. So that's perfect. Makes sense. Uh, okay. So let's start with what does brand is. This is a very elusive word for people. It's one of those things, depending on who you ask and when you ask them and if you have quotes or not, and it means a bunch of different things. So to you in this current moment, Alexa, what does brand mean to you? Yeah, I think really, if I have to synthesize it, brand is the experience of interacting with a company. So it's visual, it's messaging, it's your interactions with them. At the end of the day, every person that works in brand has this dream ideal in which if you were to go to someone in Times Square and ask them on the street, you know, what is Triple Whale? They have the awareness to give you an answer of what it is. And then they're also able to tell you, obviously you want it to be positive, but how that brand makes them feel, how that company makes them feel, and then be able to justify it by saying, you know, I love uh, their, their messaging, or I love the content that they provide, or I love their community, or I love, you know, their tone of voice when they, I talk to our customer service team and they're like super helpful and sweet. And so um, I think, you know, you can have a company that sells products um, or you can have a brand that people are at. Thus, it makes my job very fun and flexible and creative. Um, <laughs> but I think if if you think too hard about it, your brain breaks. So I would I would lean into experience with a company as being my answer. <laughs> that is uh, a great, that's an incredible answer and makes a lot of sense in terms of Oh, if you ask someone about the brand, I love how you started with that because as the founder, as the operator, you can yell and shout and try to form your brand as much as you want and can't, and 
like craft it in a certain way. But ultimately, like you said, it's what the customer, it's what the client, whatever experiences and how they explain it. So I just, uh, I wanted to reiterate that as uh, I love that point. So know, knowing that um, a lot of people listening are founders or soon to be founders or they're consultants, freelancers, agencies working with brand founders of DTC brands. So what is uh, someone just getting started in the world of brand? The, what is the MVB? What's the minimal viable brand like essentials for someone that's looking to launch an e-commerce brand? Like how would you even start to simplify it down? What's the starting point? That's a really great question. And I can tell you that the wrong answer is like, I need to have my color palette right. Or like, I need to have my logo right. Um, don't get me wrong. Those elements are all very important. And, you know, there are different things um, that our brain registers in different ways. So yes, we do remember visuals and logos, but I don't know if you've ever taken one of those little like iPhone quizzes and it shows you a logo, but it removes the name. So it'll be like, you know, the imagery, but it doesn't say Exxon, for example, and you have to match them with the actual brand name really actually quite freaking hard to do, even as someone in brand. And so it's like, it's not your logo, like your mountains are cool, but it ain't that. Um, I would say as you're thinking about building a brand from scratch, what I encourage everyone to do is first, you just need I don't think you can build a brand on day one of building your company. You need to build a company that sells something first. You need to have customers. Um, once you have customers and you have a statistically significant amount of customers, i.e. not just your mom and your sister-in-law, um, then you can start asking them um, about their experience with the products, their experience with why they're interested in purchasing your products, why they purchased from you, what helped them to convert, all those sorts of things. You really need to become a student of your customer. And then it's about figuring out, okay, now how do we present our company in a more all-encompassing way to support the needs of our client? And so um, for a big, big brand like Nordstrom, right, that's a luxury experience. So yeah, they sell lots of different products, but they target people who have more money and want to buy designer brands. And so that meant we're putting you know, we're putting our shoes on really nice hardwood display racks and we have really plush carpet um, in certain places and we have really cool displays, that kind of thing, right? So it's like thinking about what kind of experience your customer wants to have, expects to have, what's ideal for them and kind of building backwards off of that. Um, and I also would say to that point, like don't stress about building a brand in, in the first months because as your business grows, you might find that you want to diversify your SKUs or diversify your product line in a direction that you hadn't originally intended. And then if you lock yourself into being like, uh, you know, sock brand for women, but you realize that there's way better market opportunity elsewhere, then you effectively have to rebrand. Um, and that's really high friction. It's a huge overhaul. And so, um, when you feel like you're ready to really lean in to like, okay, it's time, it's really about becoming a student of your customer and then working backwards on your messaging and your visuals and, and making it all align. I love the Nordstrom example. And that's like a retail example and all the things that are associated with that and those products and in the store. So to like, for a, a brand new DTC brand, like lean into that you're a single person probably, or you have a co-founder and like you aren't a big box store. You aren't a big brand. like. You're personal, it's customer service, it's that customer experience, yeah. it's messaging, it's it's like 
uh, handwritten notes, all that sort of things, uh, like the small elements that can uh, that don't scale, but that help you scale. So uh, just a quick shout yeah. out there. Uh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> uh, you kind of stole my next question by adding in from before about how it evolves over time and like and how yeah. it changes. So um, what would you recommend in terms of like an exercise, a question, a tactic? A process um, of when your brand is growing and scaling like what how do we like evolve with it and how do we help mold it or what guardrails do we put up yeah so I think I mean it's really hard to say like what it all depends on the cost structure of your business. So like what a statistically significant amount of orders or customers are when you feel like you're ready, you will know when it's time to build a brand. It's like you will have reached a point in which you've sold a lot of product, but you're lacking some sort of retention. You're lacking some sort of buy-in. You don't have a lot of like ongoing purchase activity or ongoing engagement from prior purchasers and you start to feel it. And so I think what I describe to people is brand building either happens when a company grows really quickly and they're like, okay, now we need to tighten things up, which is a perfect example of what happened in the case of Triple Whale. We blew up really fast and then it was like, okay, now we really need someone to steer their ship on like what this brand is, means, and does. Or you grow to a point and then you kind of reach a plateau. Like this happens a lot with uh, D2C brands where they go heavy in performance marketing and direct response. It also happens to a lot of folks who started out in drop shipping and they reach a plateau and then they're like, I can't seem to scale or grow anymore. And it's like, okay, now, of course, you can always offer different products, but besides diversifying your product line, where can you really build something meaningful that helps you leverage your existing customers, pull in retention plays, start to like, build a name for yourself outside of a company that sells products. And so um, it, you feel it when it's time is kind of the answer on when it happens. Questions to ask, I really would say like, it's gonna feel aggressive, but spend a lot of time. When I started at Triple I spent about two weeks just booking all day of customer interviews in addition to calls within my team because I obviously came to an established team um, that had some leadership and had some vision, but um, you know, really figuring out what your people want. Um, the, one of the hardest things for founders to do is talk to people who churned or who haven't purchased again or people who wrote a negative review because it sucks. It really hurts your ego when you're, uh, your brand is your baby. But it's really essential to understand from them um, if, if it truly was a product failure or it was an experience failure and figuring out where you can optimize your business to retain people. And then at some point you also just want to think about, okay, like what am I going to provide as a business besides my product? Do I want to have a community? Do I make running shoes and I want to have a running community and I want to have cool running content on YouTube and a blog or, you know, do I make snacks and powders and things and I want to figure out how to write recipes or whatever, like, you know, it, brand strategy guides a lot of executional marketing strategy and retention strategy and customer service strategy. Um, and it, it's just so much more than like cleaning up your website um, and cleaning up your color palette. And so I would really challenge you that when you're starting to feel like you're hitting that point when it's time to spend more time than you feel you need talking to your customers and figuring out where the future of your business needs to go to grow. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. Uh, talking to your customers. We all talk, everyone talks about it. People tweet about it all day, but 
there's some merit to it <laughs> to actually listen, not just talk to them, talk at them, to actually listen. Uh, and there's different ways to listen and to talk with them. So it's customer calls, uh, it's interviews, it's emails, it's text message, it's a survey. So uh, if you're not the most outgoing or if you want to try different, there's there's a bunch of ways to go about it. So don't, uh, don't pigeonhole yourself or don't stress too much about it. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does form, it kind of just changes over time. It evolves, it, it just levels up. It's kind of like a Pokemon at some time. It, it's just like, it's time to level up and like yeah. evolve to the next stage. And there's pros and cons and there's changes that have to happen. Okay, uh, so now there's a series of questions from our friend and uh, creative ser- uh, strategist, Sarah Levinger. Uh, she asked on Twitter, uh, the first one up is when it comes to creating a brand strategy, what elements of the business do you include? We kind of went over this one already, but just like kind of reiterate it maybe and simplify it. Yeah. I think besides the stuff we already talked about, you really need to understand what the, tr- the true value of your business is, what the true value of your product or products is for people. Um, if you're selling multiple products, and people are purchasing multiple products, you need to figure out what the ultimate goal is, like in them purchasing multiple products. If you're selling one product like Triple Whale, you know, every company, every founder, every person on a marketing team, we have our ideas of why the product rocks or why people want it and what we've, what we've synthesized and what we've ideated the data to mean. Um, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're not right. And we read the data wrong. You know, we made our... I don't know, like we built our insights around the data in a way that made sense to us, but isn't actually true to the world. And so I think the first thing is really figuring that out because you'll never nail your brand messaging, um, understanding really who your target customer is until you figure out what makes your product or products magical to your customers. So I think that's part of it. And, And also just having a really strong grasp on like really what it is and does. So I'm not a technical person, I'm a creative person, but I spent a lot of my personal time investing in figuring out what our product is and does and how it technically works. And even if you aren't in SaaS, this still applies, right? Because if you have a cool gadget or a orthopedic shoe or something, right? Like you need to understand really how it works and and why it does what you say it does. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I don't know, there are just like so many things. It's so hard to kind of synthesize sure. like my whole yeah. process and how I, how I do it, but I, I hope it that's is. helpful. Yeah. And what, one, one yeah. follow up, <clears throat> one follow up question is, uh, some people, this is for me, not from Sarah to clarify. Sorry, Sarah, we'll get back to your questions. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on this one word brand mission statement or one word, like at the, on your hero image of your site like this, explain it simply. And there's a lot of back and forth on what's the right way to go about it or what you should be able to do with that. Like for a physical product, like a D2C brand, like what is your guidance around that like simplified messaging of that kind of statement? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually recently came across a new a new answer to this, I would say like about a week ago, I was working on a, a tech partnership thing with one of our tech partners, Gorgeous, and I had to explain everything that Triple L is and does in 60 characters or less. Um, 
that is not a lot of characters. That's hardly even a full sentence, uh, particularly when you have like a complicated product or brand. Um, and so I would say as a starting point, I would challenge everyone who's listening to see if you can explain what your company is and does in 60 characters or less. And if you can't figure out a concise way to do it, that's a good exercise. And then obviously you don't really have those limitations on your website or anything like that, but building off of that and giving it some color. Um, but the, the classic, like, you know, ride the elevator up elevator pitch, it really does apply to everyone. And I think consumers are getting smarter and smarter as ads are served in greater volume. Um, they, you know, they're starting to understand what UGC is. They're starting to understand like what kind of hacky direct response copy looks like. And so um, they're getting to the point where they're like, just freaking tell me what it is and why it's better or why I should want it. And so if you can't have a sentence like on your H1 that tells someone what it is and why they should want it, like you need to go back to the drawing board if that doesn't exist right now. Um, and if, if your H1 sentence has like a lot of fluff or, you know, things that make you feel good, but you show it to your grandma and it means nothing to her, then like try again. Cause like the average American is on like a fourth grade reading level, right? Really sad, but true. Um, and so make sure that, you know, even if your target customer is above a fourth grade reading level, make sure it's at their reading level where they can just absorb it quickly, understand it quickly. And the better you are, the more clear you are with your messaging, the more direct you are, the easier the path to conversion will always be. Excellent follow up on that. That was that was wonderful. Your character limit, 60 or less, that's really cool. And to give people context of like actually what 60 characters is, uh, I just got on TikTok like three days ago. So in your bio, it's literally 80 characters. <laughs> So that's, and I'm like, oh crap, that's like, I'm, I'm long-winded. I like talking a lot. I'm run on sentences by jam. But 80 characters is not nothing. Tweets used to be 140. Now they're 280. And your uh, tw Twitter bio is 160 characters. So like that 60, 60 characters or less is, um, is short, concise, but it's like no fluff. And it hopefully is... Uh, more unique to you because there's there's the other school of thought of like oh explain the benefits not the features and then you get these like really uh ambiguous and like just hard to grasp messages and then you could just replace like any company logo any company name with those things like helping you work from anywhere like uh these SaaS right. tools and you're like okay like that's so many different things that could be t 10, 20, 30 different companies. So trying to figure out what actually is your differentiator. So amazing, uh, little, <laughs> little guideline there. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. back to Sarah's, uh, questions. There's a f yeah, she's, she's did, it made my job a lot easier today. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Life. So in terms of tracking results for brand, what are, some key factors, what are some key metrics? And she specifically asked how and what is community one of them? Yeah, so first of all, I would agree that community is one of them. Um, there are qualitative and quantitative ways, and I, I use both. Um, so you can always, if you really want something very 
you know, like if you really want to put numbers in a spreadsheet, um, you can do things like NPS scores um, or sentiment analysis. So I have a great um, social listening tool called Meltwater that like scrapes the whole internet for people talking about triple whale. Um, and I get sentiment analysis, positive, negative, or neutral based on even like down to the platform that people are talking about us, the countries where people are talking about us. So we have opportunity. It's like, oh, hey, you know, it looks like XYZ competitor has a bigger share of voice and there's more negative commentary about our brand in Alaska. Like, you know, let's focus on doing some good stuff in Alaska and like building some good relationships there. So there are some, some very like numeric factors if you really want that. I think a lot of it is very qualitative. Um, it's asking people about their experiences um, with the brand in coming to an event, in using the product. It's willingness for people to partner with us on different things, how easy it is for us to get sponsorships if we wanna have an event, um, how active people are in our Slack community. Um, we have like a super active, super robust Slack community. We actually have a head of community who like owns it and manages it. And so he has his own KPIs for it. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, are people really advocates for what's going on here? And if they're really active in that Slack community and they're coming to our events and really excited about it, then yes, they are. We have a good brand presence. Um, and there's share of voice on social and our social engagement. So I would say like a lot of other people's like direct numeric KPIs um, have some sort of qualitative element that then plays into mine. Um, and I would say a lot of, of how I evaluate my success in my role is, is very like experiential asks and surveys. And, you know, it's, it's about making sure people feel good at the end of the day. And then also making sure like if there's a fire, if there's chaos, it's dealt with. Um, and it's dealt with in like a respectful and positive and, you know, the right way. So. Yeah, so qualitative, quantitative, bunch of ways to track it. Community is important. And you mentioned that you have a head of community, you manage the Slack group, um, and you were talking about how you have other members of the team that are like kind of their vision, their direction, like what they think the uh, tool does and what the brand should be. How do you, as the head of brand, you're the head of beans, like how do you get the rest of the team behind these brand specific goals or how do you make sure that you work with the other team members to make sure that your like performance goals are being hit or these other things are taken into account and it's not just make everyone feel good like you have to make money too you have to grow and do all these other things yeah. so how do you balance all that yeah well right now i'm really fortunate <clears throat> i mean our team is just so insanely talented like it's out of control and everyone is very aligned on like the growth and the mission and the vision that is triple oil and we're really good at just figuring out if people are going to be a good fit for what that is uh, when we're hiring so part of it is actually like culture fit when you're hiring um and i know that's not a direct answer to your question but um i think one of the biggest signs that someone should not be on your team is if they can't align with like the mission, the vision, the values of the organization. And that is all very tied to brand and the direction of the organization. Um, it is way easier to paddle a canoe when everybody is like paddling in sync together. Um, when you have got that one guy like flailing in the back, it rocks the boat and it just doesn't go well. And so that's a huge part of it. Um, another part of it is just like building time to really be aligned. Um, so having 
you know, right now we our team that is very collaborative, our kind of content community education brand creative side of the marketing team, we all work out of an office together four days a week and we just like roll our chairs over to other people's desks or sit on the couch with them and be like, all right, we need to jam on this really quick to make sure we're aligned. Um, and so that's part of it. And then the other thing is like, at the end of the day, you know, we like, this is our job, right? It, it pays our rent, it pays our mortgage, it pays our kids meals. And so like, of course we need to make money as a business. Um, and so it's just about making sure that you're, you know, your lead gen and you're very like financially aligned uh, sprints that you're working on um, can be supported by some of that more like feel good, fun content stuff. But ultimately, like you're still, everybody's still seeing the results that they want to see. Um, and so it's about knowing everybody's roles and expectations and how they all play into that. And then knowing like I, as a person, likely am not going to have, you know, millions of dollars of revenue directly attributed to me. Um, but that's okay. As long as the whole business and the whole rocket ship is moving in the right direction. And once everyone's bought in on that and understands that and is aligned on that, then it's a really easy, easy time to work, yep. you know? You said that hiring was like not directly answering my question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna like pivot that a little bit and saying that it did help yeah. a lot and it did answer my question because uh, I've I've hired hired people in the past with freelancers and contractors or people with this and that and hiring is tough it's not easy so with the, if you're a founder and you're listening to this and you're like looking for that first hire or you're gonna hire a freelancer or an agency like keep brand and vibe and fit in these things not just oh they're the cheapest or oh they have the best case studies on their site like who you work with is uh and how you work with them is really 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 important so uh yeah, yeah. i think if i could like give a, a tiny bit of hiring advice um i've made a lot i'm i'm objectively a young person in a relatively senior role and um, that means I've made a lot of mistakes so far in a short period of time, admittedly, and like I'm I'm big enough to accept failure. So I have hired people who were an absolute terrible fit before because I hired on skill and I hired on what they said in their resume and I did not hire on like vibes alignment because I was like, I really need this to get done. I really need it to get crushed. I'm time crunched. I need someone who can just come in and crush. And the reality was it didn't work out because we didn't work well together. We weren't very well aligned on the, the mission and the vision for the business. They might not have been able to be autonomous or independent enough, this, that, and the other thing. And so like one of our team members at the company, um, he has this, this kind of test that he asks you to think about when you're, inter when you're interviewing somebody. And it's like, first of all, you can always teach someone to strengthen their skills as long as they're smart enough. So like make sure they're smart enough. But if you were about to take a flight with somebody and your plane got delayed for six hours and you're stuck at the airport with them, would you be miserable if you had to sit in one of those uncomfortable airport seats next to them for six hours? And if you would be miserable, then do not hire that person, even if they are the most talented person in the world, because all they're going to do is cause you pain. <laughs> it's true. It sucks, but it's true. And and so I really believe in like waiting till you find the right person that's the right vibe fit or working to woo the person that is your dream person until you can have them. Six hour airport chair, <laughs> litmus test, vibe check. Love yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. okay. 
Fact yeah, check. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I hadn't heard it in that way before. But if you think about it, depending on your office chair, like that's not too different from uh, being in the office with yeah. someone five days a week. So I think that's a, uh, a really good way to reframe it and look at it that way. So that's how you kind of get team members behind the brand is you have like alignment with the leadership at the top and then they hire, take the right time to hire the right people to help. And you're all paddling the same way. Uh, someone wants to go down the like, like fast rapids over here, but you guys are like, nope, we're actually going this way, Matt. Like don't, don't nope. steer us that way. So I, uh, that's, that's good to reiterate. So you've been doing a lot of, uh, at least once a week, if not more, or different frequencies I've seen you post uh, branded public, uh, these updates and threads on kind of how things yeah. are going. So what are some, like, you've talked about goals that other people have, like, how do you set goals and the frequency you check in on them, you're tracking them for you specifically and like for like within Triple Whale? And then how do you communicate that with the rest of your team? Yeah. Um, typically, I would say, like, yes, there are our overarching goals. But right now, I have a lot of project-based goals. So we have very specific events with specific goals trying that we're trying to get, you know, out of those events. Um, or we have, you know specific goals for partnerships or collaborations that we're doing or merch that we're producing. So sometimes they're very specific to the project. Um, I would say overall, you know, Triple Whale is growing really rapidly. We went from two, two digit number of customers to over like, I think we're at like almost 4,500 Shopify stores right now in a number of months. It's just an absolute explosion. And so one of my goals right now is to make sure that like every single person, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, is getting an incredible experience. And so it's for me, it's kind of checking off like a list of all of our touch points, working with the different teams that own them, making sure the messaging feels good, the design feels good, making sure people are responding well to it, like reviewing tickets, reviewing responses to emails, reviewing what's going on at HubSpot, all that stuff, and making sure everything feels good, making sure that our events are producing the desired result for the attendees, not necessarily for us in, in terms of our business functions. Um, making sure people have the resources they need is a big thing right now. So a lot of building the plane as you fly it is like, you know, you're like, oh man, I really wish we had this thing made 10 minutes ago. And so I've been just kind of popping in. It's like, oh, we need this, you know, SDR, like one pager type resource. Can somebody spring it up? And I'm like, I'm on it. I hear it. I understand the value of it. Um, and so there are some goals there in, in terms of making sure we have our, our resources uh, set up really well. And um, one of my bigger goals is kind of more brand awareness. And so we're very fortunate. You know, our team um, has a lot of awesome people on it who have worked in the D2C world before, have really great connections. And so they came into the company knowing some of the big swingers in e-com, like the Nick Shacklefords, the Chase Diamonds, et cetera. Um, however, the Twitter bird app section of um, you know, digital marketing and advertising is a microcosm of the broader Shopify ecosystem. And we run for Shopify right now. And so one of my broader kind of goals for the year is to kind of pierce beyond our bubble um, of influence and sphere of influence right now and really make sure that we're doing what we're set out to do, which is supporting small to medium-sized business e-commerce entrepreneurs in, in their growth journey. 
that is um, really cool and good to hear uh, and echoes a lot of thoughts that I often have in conversations I have with people off the bird app about the bird app is that we think it's we think yeah. it's everything it's like the whole universe but that's just like you said it's a microcosm it's a small part um, some people like oh this person doesn't have any followers and they're a founder of this brand well maybe they're like eight nine figure brand owner and they just don't have time they just don't have time to tweet like or like don't prioritize it they, they work and then they, they they go with their family they do other stuff so I think it's just uh, really smart <laughs> really good that you are aware of that and are thinking about that um, and going beyond going beyond the bluebird app so yes that's, um, that's great that is excellent so okay and then uh, you've been doing these threads like weekly kind of so or whatever so how do you in terms of goals or tracking or like milestones is it like quarterly is it half a year is it yearly um, if big ambitions you've grown so quickly really fast it's hard to maybe um, narrow it down but just wanted to like yeah, yeah, talk about that. I would say we have company-wide quarterly goals always. We've come, like, we're really, you know, building so fast that I think our line of thought and what is highest priority frequently changes, um, you know, every few months or so as people are really asking for a new feature, as people are really having a problem with something or really want something. And so um, it's it hasn't been incredibly effective for us to think like product pipeline like crazy far in advance because we're really trying to like provide the market with what it needs but i would say we have general you know company annual goals general monthly company goals in terms of things like mrr arr um targets and then we have for, for myself i definitely have like monthly okrs basically that i'm working towards and usually it's because there are a lot of short-term projects on my plate like you know we have this event coming up we have to get xyz thing done um and so those have you know the monthly kind of sprints for them and then for myself i have annual goals um what's really cool about triple whale is like it's such a collaborative space that you know i showed up and i asked raba our cmo like, hey, what do you want my KPIs? What do you want my OKRs to be? And he was like, why don't you build them and tell me what you think is valuable and important for the business? And I was like, sweet, that's great. Cause I have strong opinions. And then I, you know, I brought them back to him and he was like, these all sound great, no qualms, let's rock and roll. Um, and so I feel very fortunate for that, but um, it's definitely just making sure that for me, it's, it's making sure that we're on track with like our urgently upcoming things, all the, whether it be a physical in-person event, a feature release of whatever. Um, there are a lot of things that come up that are like, oh shoot, XYZ is broken. We need to figure out a way to deal with it or fix it. And I deal with those things very quickly. And then there are longer term goals, like you know, long-term partnerships, sponsorships, things like that, and, and overarching brand awareness goals that I'm working towards. So everything is a notion and it makes sense to my brain and Rava's brain. Good luck to anybody else who tries to figure it out, <laughs> but it's, a, it's in a notion. Yeah, notion is, uh, is a beast in its own, its own operating system in a way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, especially as a startup and it's changing, the growth is so quick and, um, you don't want to, oh, we're setting course for here and we're just going to put our heads down for a year and then look up and see where yeah. we're at. Like 
you guys are constantly looking up and down and different team members are looking at different perspectives like oh no the canoe's gotta go this way or like oh shit the the oar broke like there's different ways to uh to think about it like that so for you miss head of brand uh what's a recent win that you or your team has had uh it could be a customer review a customer experience interaction what's a recent win that you've had and like what does it mean to you wow um i do i do two different things in my job so i'm gonna give you two this is i'm cheating um so one is like a very personal win so i started owning our tech partnerships um i have no experience like properly building a partnerships marketing model from the ground up but i've been working on it for the past month and we just like formalized our partnership with gorgeous which is really huge if you're not familiar with gorgeous they're a, a customer support platform um and they're just like really optimized for e-com so they have a lot of incredible businesses and i'm getting to just work with a lot of really smart people on their team um and we have a lot of exciting things that we're working on together and i'm just i'm like really proud of how that's coming along and it feels like a huge win and it's cool to have kind of another like well no pun intended in the e-com space that sees as much value in us as we see in them um and so that has been incredible um on the more customer facing side it's it's actually astonishing to me how many people I meet that say the phrase triple whale changed my life or changed my business. And um, I at first thought that they were just kind of gassing me up um, and like trying to get a t-shirt, you know? And then I, I started to realize like it really is true. Um, and so it can, it can give you kind of a, a quick TLDR story, but um, shout out to um, Greg at New Wave. He's a founder of a coffee company called New Wave. They make just really cool coffee for like focus and creative and concentration. Um, the first time that I ever met him, he literally came up and was like, dude, Triple L literally changed my life. It changed the future of my business. I like would love to talk to you about it sometime. Like I'm profitable now. And I was like, oh shit like thanks <laughs> that's great like let's talk oh, and yeah. so i was actually at a geek out like in between presentations and so we set up some time to chat we just like hung out for an hour and he was telling me basically that like there was so much about his business that he really didn't like understand or wasn't thinking about or like didn't realize what was in in the red and what exactly was in the green and it just like it brought so much to light for him that he was able to better like financially model for his business obviously like better run ads for his business and now he works full-time on his e-commerce business. He doesn't have another job with an e-commerce business on the side anymore. And so that to me is like, you know, my background is actually in education and teaching. And so I'm really passionate about watching people grow and evolve and learn. And he's just like the perfect example of somebody who kind of went through that evolution with us and now is just rocking and rolling and having a really successful e-com business. And he truly sells bags of coffee, mugs. I think he has like a little bit of swag, um, but it's a pretty simple like business model that he's working with. Um, and that's not to, to downplay it at all. Like I'm saying, like, if you are an entrepreneur and you're like, I only have one skew, I don't know how far I can scale this or whatever, like believe in yourself because it's definitely very possible. Um, and so just getting to chat with him and learning about his business and, and knowing that he wasn't gassing me up and that he was being very real, which Greg, I will say is like one of the most real people I've ever met my whole life too. Uh, but now, you know, now we give each other big, big hugs when we see each other and we built a really good relationship. And I think it just... It really warms my heart when I get to interact with people who have had an experience that was truly life-changing for them from like 
effectively a SaaS platform. You know, that's that's insane to me. Yep. So I'm very grateful. Yeah, for that. that's what more can you ask for? Life changing and like actually meeting. I know. It. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Greg has been all over Twitter and uh, I've interacted with him. He's a good guy. Uh, so that's really that's really cool that uh, he's mentioned that and he's full time on it now. That's that's the yeah. you know you're literally helping people achieve their dreams and like a lot of these people, myself included, just small business owners. We're trying to build their own, make our own way, pave our own path. And um, when we have tools and utilities and cool stuff like Triple and these other platforms help us, it's it's really incredible. Um, so that's yeah. that's really neat. Um, okay, so I'm gonna go back. Uh, I've, I have a couple follow-ups off that. So for the partnership one, you use, you're like, oh, I've never really built out a marketing partnership program before. <laughs> okay, so in the, in the last month, you've, you've done that. You've gotten gorgeous, which is like a pretty big, big, big uh, player in this space. How did, did they come to you? Did you go to them? How did you approach that? Did you have like, did you make a partnership persona profile of like who you think so no. talk to me talk to me <laughs> no. about this yeah um so to be fair i somebody must have talked to somebody before i started okay. um i don't know what like the first conversation was that ever happened but what i do know is that like two weeks ago we hadn't signed the paperwork to make it an official marriage and we have now um because i had to set some systems in place um so that's kind of the quick tldr on that but what i will say is um big shout out to mia boback at gorgeous um, i actually went and into ecom sweetie which is a women's e-commerce conference i went to ecom sweetie in la a couple weeks ago um, gorgeous sponsored it we sponsored it i got to meet with mia who gave a talk about you know she just did her like gorgeous and, and cx excellence talk and i she, I loved her talk. It was so good. Walked up to her after I was like, Hey, we have an integration for your product. Somebody at some point, like our customers love gorgeous at some point, somebody talked to somebody because we built this integration, but I have no idea what's going on with the state of the union. Like, can we make some magic happen? Like it was literally just like that. And she was like, Oh, hell yeah. We have been wanting to do stuff with you for a long time, but like, we thought you guys were busy. And I was like, no, 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 we are. But like, that doesn't matter. Like, let's do it. <laughs> and so, um, we just kind of jammed and then we set up some calls and, you know, they have a really, um, well set up program. And so we've been able to model some of our things off of theirs. They were really willing to share resources and they're just really good people. I'm very thankful for them. Um, and, and Mia is just an incredible person. And so she was really great and kind of supporting me as I was building this out and figuring it all out. And so, yeah, now we're rocking and rolling and, uh, we've got so many people in the pipeline that want to partner with us, but we just didn't have a structure set in place now. And so now I get to kind of hit the gas pedal on getting to hop on with all these people and figuring yeah. it out. So I'm super no, excited. That's awesome. That's great. So what you have all these people that are interested that you're going to talk to and vibe with and do the vibe checks and all that stuff. Like from your point of view, uh, triple oil is a SaaS tool. So we'll start there, but I'm going to try to bring it around for the DTC brands is like, what, what are you looking for in the partnership? And like, what, what, what are you kind of checking out? Like, is it different audiences, but similar, but like goals, is it like, like, tell me a little bit, like, and I know you may not have all the answers this year, one month into it, but just like, tell me what you're thinking, no, tell me what you're thinking about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I actually can totally speak to this because there are multiple legs to our partnership program. So we have agency partners. Obviously, that's more sales and client focused. We have tech integration partners. Those are very related to SaaS. So that's really we're trying to share our clients. Um, and it's a big like lead gen push. We have tech non-integration partners. So those are people who we just want to be friends with and like co-market with. And so those are people where we think that their leadership is really smart. They have valuable things to say. We want to include them in our content marketing. We want to do podcasts with them. We want to do webinars with them. So we know we have some overlap in, in who our audiences are and we think that they can bring value to the table. So for example, um, right now I'm working on a partnership with Incense, which is a platform in which you can, it's kind of like a Fiverr, but basically for content creation and um, influencer marketing and whitelisting, things like that. Um, and I've used it before in the past. I met the founder, I really liked him, we vibed. And so I was like, let's just do some fun stuff together where we you know, teach people how to manage their influencers well, or like pitch to influencers well, or get the content that they want. And so you know, we're working on like a co marketing partnership like that. And so the same thing actually really applies when it comes to like D2C brands that they want to partner. And let me bring it full circle here. We do a lot of events in which we partner with brands and ask them like, hey, would you be willing to give us product? You know, we'll give you the, the press, we'll get you your product in front of people. Um, we'll have coverage, photography, videography, whatever. Um, if you chip in, you know, snacks for the event or drinks for the event. Um, and really it's just like, damn, we think your brand's cool. We think our people would like it. I think your people will like us, um, or you're a client or like you're using the product and you know, you like it. So like, why not? And sometimes it's just like building relationships with people that you have a lot of faith in that you think they're going to grow and you want to like be with them as they grow or have, you know, be in each other's pocket as you guys grow. Um, and so some of it is just vibes, man. Some of it's just vibes. <laughs> but there are times when it's not just vibes too. And I think it's just, you got to figure out what your goal is in a partnership and then pick and choose. Uh, sometimes it's just vibes, man. Uh, the wonderful Val Geisler from Clavio on a uh, podcast, uh, Stephanie Griffith and I co-host of Conversational Commerce, said something incredibly similar of just, it's vibes, man. It's all about the vibes, man. So that uh, I yeah. love that. So. In terms of partnerships and co-marketing and looking to either do giveaways or bundles like with like D2C brands with other kind of brands, um, we're gonna start landing the plane here, which is my phrase for we're wrapping up soon. Uh, so how would a brand go about these partnerships like you're doing with your partnerships for Triple Whale? Like how do they do it with other D2C brands? Yeah, you slide into their DMs. <laughs> I mean, truly, like, for the longest time, I have been obsessed with Jambies, which is a, like, comfy athleisure pajama company. I, like, I am a Jambies fangirl. Like, I will die on a Jambies hill. Like, I will throw They're really comfy into a, a burning, like, I will go into my burning house to save my Jambies. I could buy more, but I love them so much, I wouldn't want to watch them burn. Um, and so I was like... It. I'm just going to slide in their DMs and ask if they want to work on some stuff together or like have a call and jam. And I do, in fact, have a call with them to jam soon. And who knows what's going to happen, but I'm going to shoot my shot, you know? And so part of it is like slide into their DMs, engage with them on the internet where you can, send them an email, and you don't need to like gas them up too much. Like people can tell when you're brown nosing, whatever. But the reality is like if there is something you really respect about their brand, their leadership, 
you saw their founder on a podcast and you really liked something he said and that's what inspired you or you just really like their packaging or whatever or you bought the product pro tip i would say don't um slide into someone's dms and tell them you're obsessed with them if they can't look in their crm and see that you bought something pro tip but or just say i haven't bought something but what whatever yeah. i'm still obsessed i mean just be clear about it but but yeah, I would say just shoot your shot because the reality is like the worst thing is they either send you a respectful no or they just don't respond to you and whatever, like you move on with your life. So be fearless. So slide into DMs and brand partnerships for D2C brands, you'd say at what point or what size or like what would cause someone to want to like seek out a partnership? Is it like when we mentioned in brand earlier, if you're at a plateau or something, is it time of the year? Is it just like kind of lucky fit sometimes? Like when should brands be seeking that yeah, out? Yeah, it's it's totally up to you. Like if you're just feeling like your, your marketing, you know, initiative pipeline is kind of dry, totally. If you're feeling a plateau, totally. What I would say is, for example, um, I previously did consulting work for a matcha brand um, and they are making like an, an alternative pre-workout matcha. It's a D2C brand called Isla, A-I-L-A. They're awesome. Their founder is awesome. Um, they have done collabs in the past with like a company that makes jewelry that you can wear when you're working out that won't uh, turn green when you sweat on it or something like that. And so like they know that their, their base of people is both people who like to work out, but they're both brands with relatively low brand awareness and the like, well at the time, uh, like in the broader scope of things. And so they worked together to kind of like cross promote, um, cross pollinate. And so I think like, that's a great opportunity if you want to do like a father's day bundle. So, you know, you have a shoe company and you want coffee for dad or whiskey for dad, like you can totally make it promotional and seasonal. Just know that, you know, when seasons happen, there are a billion different things going on. And so it's almost better to do special things outside of holiday seasons or promotional seasons. Um, and then also, like, I would encourage you to think about brand collaborations as a content opportunity. So, um, you know, if you are a board shorts brand, partner with like a sunscreen or a flip flops brand and shoot really cool content together, like fly some people out, make it a thing, hang out together, get drinks and dinner together, shoot really awesome content, have fun with it and be creative with it. Because like, yeah, whatever you're like, cross-pollinating your email marketing list but at the end of the day like make sure that there's real core value for for you from that and it could be sick content it could be making the relationship with the people whatever it is so to sum up this entire episode is vibes and make relationships and connections with people and care about what people are saying and listen to them and be selective about your hiring. I can't stress I, that one enough. That is as excellent. <laughs> be yeah. I've talked to too many people and I know it's it's such a hard process. Alexa, thank you yeah. so much for your time. Where do, where do you want to send people if they want to talk to you, learn more about Triple Whale, we'll talk to you about talk to you about you, maybe book a session with you on Mentor mm -hmm. Pass, I don't know. Oh. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Um, yeah. So you can always reach me on Twitter. My DMs are open. It's just at Alexa Kilroy. My last name is spelled K-I-L-R-O-Y, one L, nonviolent, as I like to say. Um, and then um, Triple Whale is trytriplewhale.com. Uh, we're also on the Tweety Birds at Triple Whale. Um, and yeah, you're always welcome to DM me um, if you want to learn more, if you want maybe a sweet little promo, things like that. You let me know. I can hook you up. Perfect. That's amazing. Go, ch go talk to Alexa 
at Alexa Kilroy, at uh, Triple Whale, and trytriplewhale.com. Thanks again for joining me on the pod. And everyone else, I will catch you on the next one.